Welcome into the Reviewing the Brew podcast. I'm your host, Dave Gasper. With me this week, Paul Bredel, co-expert of Dairyland Express. No Matthew Dwoskin tonight. He is getting the night off as it is his birthday today. So happy birthday to Matthew Dwoskin. Uh, he's going on a lovely date with his wife tonight, so he is not going to join us. He'd much rather be doing that than sitting here talking with us, unfortunately. So it's just going to be me and Paul tonight. Paul, I know you've got a lot going on over there at Terryland Express, NFL Draft coming up in a couple days. But we're here to talk a little bit of Brewers uh, on the Reviewing the Brew podcast. So a lot of things have been going on in the past week. Uh, number one, Corbin Burns has really kind of been the big news of the week. Another bad start. And the Brewers ended up deciding to send him down to AAA San Antonio. Not the start we were looking for here from Corbin Burns. No, not at all. Um, you know, he's been missing with his fastball, and that's what a lot of the home runs that he's given up have been um, off of. But one of the things I'm wondering about is he's – talked about this offseason how he has this five pitch repertoire but a lot of the pitches he's thrown has still been that fastball and slider that he relied on uh coming out of the bullpen last year so i'm hoping that this going back to triple a you know little you know lights aren't as bright competition isn't as high that he'll be able to work on those other pitches as well and getting those into his repertoire and um gaining more confidence in them you know, as a starter, he's seeing hitters two, three times through rather than just once out of the bullpen. So having those extra pitches are going to be a lot more helpful for him than just relying on that fastball all the time. Yeah, I was wondering the exact same thing about Corbin Burns. He's supposed to have this five-pitch arsenal. I mean, he's got a fantastic fastball, and it pairs with a dirty, dirty slider. But he's got a curveball. He's got a changeup. I think he's got a splitter as well. Like, and he's not throwing. I think he's throwing each of those other three pitches under five percent of the time. Like he's yep. he's just going with the fastball that's at like sixty seven percent of the time, and then the slider's at like twenty three percent. It's it's weird. He's he's throwing his fastball more now than he was last year out of the bullpen. He's throwing his slider less, and it's just really odd. He he still kind of seems to have that that bullpen mentality. Out of, out of the starter's role because he switched to basically just two pitches that he's working with, and he's not working in the others, and hitters are just sitting on that fastball, which he's currently having issues locating, which is a big problem for him because then hitters are sitting on the fastball that's 95 right down the pipe, and if you're waiting for it, you can turn that around easily. If you surprise the guy who's looking yep. for a changeup or a curveball and he gets a fastball 95 down the middle – you can still get him to swing and miss. You can still get him to not hit a home run off you if he's worried about two or three or four other pitches. But since they're just sitting on the fastball, it's killing them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then that's one of the things that I've heard, too, is when the news came out that he was being sent to the minors, um, a lot of people that I saw were upset and wanted him to go back to the bullpen. I don't think that would have mattered. He's yeah. missing with his fastball, which was his primary pitch. 
and his missing with his fastball out of the bullpen is still going to be home runs like they are now. So yeah. I I think Trip it's a bummer this early in the year and that he has to go because of the high expectations that were for that were there for him. But I think it's necessary to get his confidence confidence up and start working on those other pitches, like you said. Yeah, the the calls to move him to the bullpen just really irk me. You know that they just really rub me the wrong ways. I mean, just because he had success last year in that role does not mean that should be where he belongs. Just because it worked for Josh Hader doesn't mean that's <coughs> what's best for Corbin Burns. Josh Hader, <laughs> at his best, had two and a half pitches. He had that changeup that was mediocre, and you know he very rarely worked it in, even when he was a starter. And that just made it easier for him to drop that pitch completely, focus on fastball slider, and stay in the bullpen. But for mm-hmm. Burns, to have a guy who... He does have four pitches, whether he's showing them or not. He does have four or five pitches in his arsenal. And to take a guy like that and just put him in the long-term home in a bullpen just because of four bad starts, that's reactionary. It's not the right move. And I liked what they did just putting him back down in AAA. You don't want to destroy his confidence even further by having him continue to get lit up at the big league level. Send him down. Let him work on that command and work on those secondary pitches so that he can actually succeed in in the big leagues. I mean, keep in mind, this guy was drafted in 2016. I mean, he has not been in professional baseball for very long. And even when he was in college, he wasn't – I don't think he was a pitcher in high school. Like, he, he wasn't turned to a full-time pitcher until college, I think. So it, he hasn't been pitching for very long. But he's really good at it, and he's just going through a rough patch right now, and you got to let him work through it. And, and the bullpen, like you said, I completely agree with you, the bullpen is not the right spot to put him in after four bad starts. Absolutely. So I just want to make this clear what you're saying. Three weeks into the season, you don't want to pull the 24-year-old out of the starting rotation, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you don't you don't want to make a judgment on a 24-year-old's okay. whole career okay, potential off of four starts 3 weeks into a season. Uh, it's really bold, but I guess I can I guess I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I I've gone bold before and that was in the wrong direction. Every, everyone is going everyone's been throwing it back at me my bold prediction yeah. of Corbin Burns for Cy Young. And He's even though he was He was a dark horse contender at the start. Paul, do you remember a couple weeks ago when NASA released the first image of a black hole? Yep. I was one of the people who Googled it. Had to see it. Yeah. See, a black hole is about as dark as a horse as Corbin Burns can be right now for the Cy Young. Because light does not escape from a black hole. It is... Uh, it's not happening this year. Oh, yeah. He's got to come in. He's got to th- throw at least seven innings all of them shut out the rest of the season for him to get that Cy Young. That is the only way <laughs> that is going to happen. 2020 Cy Young. I'm starting the campaign, though. Let's do There we go. <laughs> yeah. Love Maybe it. next year. It's the Cleveland Browns mentality. Maybe next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Corbin Burns, it's. It's been a rough stretch, but he'll bounce back. He'll he'll be fine. I mean, and that's with all these young guys in the rotation, Freddie and Brandon, 
I mean, I know it's it's tough, but the Brewers are also in a really tough month of the season. Yes. I mean, they're bouncing back and forth between the Cardinals and Dodgers. They played the Cubs. Now they got the Mets. Then I think they got the Rockies and Cubs again or something like that. Those are all playoff contenders in the first month of the season with a 22-4-6-year-old and six year old who have never truly been in this position before. I know Woodruff had some starts and so did Freddie, but not like this where they're the guy. It's, yeah. It's just going to take a little time, and luckily it's a long season. and They can turn it around, and I think that Stern's and Council's mentality as well. They're, I think, I think they're going to ride these guys. Yeah, they are. And you raise a great point, too, about the schedule. I mean, this is a gauntlet of a schedule in the month of April. And they're riding with three young guys in the rotation who really have not been in a big league rotation before. And, yeah, they're taking their lumps here early on. They're facing the Cardinals, who are a very good team, and have since they added Paul Goldschmidt are just so much better. And I hate Paul Goldschmidt. With a passion, along <laughs> with the Diamondbacks GM, I just hate both of them because just ugh. of all teams, the Cardinals. Um, Think if he would have came to the Brewers and got to play eighty-one games in Miller Park. Oh wow, my goodness! <laughs> Who would you pick for MVP then, between Goldschmidt and Yelich? Could you imagine a lineup like that? A pitching staff I'm coming into Miller. Home runs to go around. <laughs> a pitching staff coming into Miller Park. <laughs> you have to face Christian Yelich in the two-hole. Paul Goldschmidt in the three-hole. Good luck to you. <laughs> oh, man. That that would have been something. That would have been. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we do not live in that world. No. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough schedule to go through for at any point in the season. If this was July and Burns and Peralta and Woodruff were all settled in and established in that rotation – if this was July, that still would have been tough to go through. Even with Shaw and Aguilar on hot streaks at the plate, if they were there, it would have been a tough stretch to go through. And the Brewers have still fared pretty well against all these teams. And, I mean, they're currently in, like, third place in the division, but standings, division standings don't matter right now. They, they really don't. They, they've banked some early wins and some really close games, but... You know, the, it's it's a tough stretch. A lot of the guys are going through slumps right now. It happens. It's a 162-game season. It's too early to panic, start blaming the front office for not getting more pitching, and start yelling, we need we need all the pitchers. We need to go out, get Keuchel, get Kimbrell, get everybody, just to make a move for the sake of making a move. And like you said, they've they're doing you know I know the last couple of games I think they've lost five of six have been rough, yeah. but in their seven game season series against the Dodgers they went three and four. Um, against yeah. the Cardinals right now I know they got tonight and then one more game in this stretch but they're five and three. Yeah, you know they took the series against the Cubs. You know they're doing all you know they're above five hundred overall with those that tough schedule and against those teams in particular so. It, the last week's been tough, but they're they're hanging in there and doing all right. Yeah, it's it certainly could be worse with, with this group. That's for sure. Exactly. And one of those free agents that is out there is now Gio Gonzalez. He was just released by the New York Yankees. He had an opt out clause. He exercised it. The Yankees did not add him to the active roster, and he is now back on the free agent market after lasting. 
uh, in free agency until about mid-March, mid-late March. He finally signed with the Yankees on a minor league deal, and he's back out there. So the real question that now Brewers fans have been asking for the past couple days, will the Brewers get Gio Gonzalez? Should they get Gio Gonzalez? And with the way the rotation has been right now with Freddie Peralta injured, although he looks like he'll be back fairly soon, uh, Corbin Burns struggling, Brandon Woodruff also going through his share of lumps, does it make sense to add Gio Gonzalez to this rotation? I think so. I actually just wrote about this, and I think that it makes a lot of sense. You know, just from even the just the pitching standpoint of adding a lefty to the rotation, they only got right-handers right now. Um, last year when he came to Milwaukee, he seemed to enjoy being here, and it'll just give them a veteran presence that they know they can rely on to go out every fifth day and start, you know, over his career, he's averaged over a hundred or roughly 165 innings per year. Um, so he's going to eat up innings. The bullpen's been coming in a lot earlier recently, which is wearing them down. So that'll help in that aspect. He averages about 14 home runs a year is what he gives up. He's a ground ball pitcher, locates the ball low in the zone very well. So pitching in Miller park, you know, that's going to be helpful for him as well. His issue last year with the Nationals was that he gave up a ton of walks. He was yeah. six in all of baseball with 80. Um, but as we saw when he came to Milwaukee, he was 3-0, and and the Brewers were 5-0 and in his starts. He got, once his command was under control, he's a really effective pitcher. So, I mean, he signed with the Yankees for $3 million, I believe. So I think that they could get, you know, maybe $2 million or so. Yeah. I, I think it's worth it just to... I see him just steadying the ship. Yeah. You know, right now, Freddie's out. Chase has been in. Hauser's been in. Burns is out. I think he would just be a veteran option that would come in and just help steady everything. Yeah. And he's a lefty, which the Brewers yes. currently lack <laughs> any lefty in their starting group since Brent Suter is out for the entire season. And, yeah, last year in those five starts, he had a 2.13 ERA. With the Brewers, he made start in Game 4 of the NLCS, I believe, before he got injured in that start. But, I mean, he did well with the Brewers last year. He knows the guys. Most of the guys know him. Grandal probably doesn't really know him that well. I mean, except for playing or playing against him in the NLCS. I don't, although, I don't think he played that game. I think that was Barnes because Grandal was having such a rough series. But either way, for the most part, the guys know him. And he'll fit in just fine. He fit in just well last year. And I think I, I agree with what you said. He'll steady the ship. It's a, a veteran guy because four of the five pitchers in that rotation are under 26 years of age. Chasin is the only one older. I mean, Davies is, is a veteran, but he's 26. He's as old as Woodruff. So that's what people get, forget, not myself included, that Davies is still 26 just because he's been around for a few years now. Yeah, I mean, he he first made his start um, a couple years ago when he was like 22, I think, was when he made his debut. So, I mean, he's still a young guy, even though he's been around for a couple of years. And, you know, you could use some more veteran experience, you know, maybe, maybe a guy. I mean, you don't really want, you know, too many old guys, but someone like that to really kind of help these young guys along, like Gio Gonzalez. I mean, Chasin 
can only do, you know, so much. And, you know, maybe just kind of learning a little bit more from a guy like Gio Gonzalez would help these young guys like Freddie and Burns and, and Woodruff in this rotation. Yeah, and like you said, Jacine has the, the tenure to be a veteran, but his big league career versus Gio, it's just different. Oh, for you know, sure. Gio has, Gio has been an all-star. He's pitched at the highest level. He's got a number of playoff games under his belt. So they're both veterans, but what he could provide to the young guys, like you were saying, is just different than what Shasin can. Yeah. Gio Gonzalez has been a consistently good pitcher for his career. Chasin has been mm-hmm. up and down throughout his career. He'd have a good year, followed it by a bad year. He'd have another decent year, followed it by a bad year. And, you know, it's a little bit different experience-wise from Chasin to Gio Gonzalez. So I think adding a lefty like that would be a good idea. And, and Gonzalez is not so good to the point where he'd block any any of those young pitchers. Like, say he takes Burns' spot in the rotation. It's not going to be, well, we can't bring Corbin Burns back up because Gio Gonzalez is there. You know, he's not that kind of guy anymore, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a nice clubhouse presence. But if Burns is showing that he's ready for the big league rotation once again, I don't think Gonzalez is going to be the guy to block him. Exactly, and I don't think any of those young guy, those young pitchers, their psyches or mental states shouldn't be, shouldn't be bruised, or their ego shouldn't be bruised if they bring in a veteran like that, and one of them has to go to the pen for a little bit or something like that. So, I I would hope that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, and the Brewers do reportedly have interest in Gonzalez. Don't know how fervently they're pursuing him. And it's it's just going to kind of be a wait and see how, how the market shakes out. Apparently, the Mets aren't pursuing him that hardly as that hard as well. So, the amount of suitors for Gio Gonzalez may not be as much as previously anticipated, which could give the Brewers a little bit more leverage. And we'll see how long he lasts. But I think one thing that's definitely complicating a Gio Gonzalez pursuit for the Brewers is Jimmy Nelson. Because Jimmy Nelson, mm-hmm. he, he made another um, simulated outing start in extended spring training. It went well, about five innings, 70-ish pitches. And the next step for Nelson is being sent out to an affiliate, probably AAA San Antonio, on a rehab assignment. And that could happen in the next couple days here. So if Jimmy Nelson is good enough to the point where he can go out on a rehab assignment. Do they really need to go out and get Gio Gonzalez? I mean, yes, you can look at you know the lefty-righty split, but with Nelson coming back and earning a spot, Nelson has a much higher ceiling than what Gio Gonzalez has at this point in his career. And it's a guy that they've known for a lot longer. It's a guy they've been watching for a while. And if Nelson is ready enough to go on a rehab assignment... Do you really need to sign Gio Gonzalez, who will probably just make three or four starts before Jimmy Nelson is ready to come up and take that rotation spot? Because then, once Nelson's ready, and if you also have Gio, and then Burns comes back ready, you have a log jam at the position again. Yeah, that's that's a really tough one for me to 
to think on because of what you said. If Nelson comes back and does what we hope, we have a logjam at the position. But there's the part of me that's wondering and just unsure of how is Jimmy Nelson going to come back. Yeah, I know in spring training when he made those appearances, his velocity was up, which was good. But I mean, it's been it'll be you know it's been eighteen months ish or so since he's pitched. He's going to be shaking off rust and probably take his lumps like the young guys are now. It was just a goofy injury, so nobody is really certain how he's going to come back. You know, even with something severe like Tommy John, there's a large sample size yeah. of those injuries to look at and be like, okay, we can expect him to be here, here, here. This one, who who knows? Just kind of a guessing game. And so, obviously, we want him to be like 2017 Jimmy, but it certainly isn't happening right away, at least not in my opinion. And yeah. hopefully he does get back there. So that's where I go back and forth on it is Geo would be a nice safety net to have in case he doesn't do what we hope he does. Yeah, and, and with Jimmy Nelson, I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be a bunch of that rust being shaken off. And I remember during his first spring training outing, he goes out there, the first batter that he faces, he gives up a home run. So it's like, <laughs> okay, we've clearly got some rust here to shake off. And, I mean, obviously that, that first spring training outing, the results of that inning didn't matter. As long as he made it through healthy, that was the most important thing. And for Nelson, it's just, I mean, yeah, there, there's an optimist in all of us that, that thinks he's going to come back and just dominate, pick up where he left off, be what he was before. And if he does that, the Brewers are in great shape. But if he's not, or if it takes him maybe another month to get back to where he was, and Corbin Burns is still you know, unable to put it together, then what do you have in that rotation? Because you, you don't have much if Nelson's not able to put it together, Burns still isn't able to put it together. You're stuck relying on Yulis Chassin and Zach Davies, who's really a number five starter, but he's been pitching the best out of all of them so far. But to depend on on Davies to be anything more than a number four, number five starter is just, it's foolish. You can't depend on him to be a sub two, sub two and a half ERA type of guy. Yeah. As we're talking through this, I think <laughs> I'm going to go on the sign geo side of it, even with the potential Nelson coming back, just because of everything that we highlighted. And also, you know, we're focusing on Nelson yeah. and Burns, but Freddie is struggling. Woody's struggling. Um, I just think having that extra depth for, you know, I know their payroll's tight, but if it's a couple extra million, I think it'd be worth having that yeah. at least. Yeah, for, for my depth, if I were to ha choose someone to be my starting pitching depth, who would you rather have, Gio Gonzalez or Birch Smith or Adrian Hauser? <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd, rather right, exactly. I'd rather take my chances with Gio. And, and Gio already made three starts in AAA uh, Scranton with the Yankees. So he's basically ready to go for a, a big league rotation. Like he's all stretched out. He's ready to be called up. Whereas Nelson still needs to continue to get stretched out and Burns, I mean he had a short outing. I think it was only like 3 innings with AAA, mm -hmm. you know, shorter by design just to try and get him to work through everything. But it's probably going to take him a while to get back. And Gio Gonzalez is ready to step into that rotation right now. 
So I, I think it definitely makes a lot of sense to bring him in. And then once Nelson and, and Burns are ready to take a rotation spot, you just you figure it out when, when you get there. You cross that bridge when you get to it, basically, with, with those. Yeah, I, I agree. And what, what are your thoughts on, to me, Freddie seems like a candidate once he's healthy again, who could go to AAA once again, just to get more confidence in his curveball and change up. You know, he relies yeah. primarily on the fastball, which for him is in the low 90s. So a lot of it's location. He's not Josh Hader blowing guys away. But if he could just get more confidence to throw those pitches, I mean, he's already tough to hit with, you know, one, two pitches. I think he could be a good candidate to just go work that out down there. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And especially with, like, Peralta, I mean, his fastball, he's got a couple different variations of it to just, right. you know, still throw hitters off and still work with, with basically 90% fastballs. But I always thought that once Nelson returned, you know, Peralta would have been the candidate to get sent down to AAA just because, I mean, he's still 22 years old. So he's exactly. the youngest of the group. He's, at least from what we saw last year, the most inconsistent of the group. You could have him go eight innings, give up one or two hits with 12 strikeouts, and then the next day you could have him go two and two-thirds and give up six, seven runs, and you're just wondering what in the world's going on. So I, yeah, I th- his first two starts this year were summed up his career perfectly so far. <laughs> yeah, first start, I think it was like three and a third, like six runs or something. Yep. The next start, eight innings, two hit shutout. Like, okay, yep. I see today is good Freddy day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I think Peralta would be the most likely to get sent back down um, in the event Nelson returns and Corbin Burns is ready. To, to get called back up, but with Burns already down, if Nelson's able to make it back before him, then he gets that spot in the rotation, and then Burns would have to take someone else's spot, which could be Peralta, but mm-hmm. it, it all really kind of depends on who's pitching the best and, and who's pitching the worst out, out of that group. And I mean, Davies is not getting knocked out the way he's pitching. Chassin's just not no. going to get knocked out. He's their opening day starter. He's, he's not doing terrible. And I, I think Woodruff is Woodruff is still doing better than Peralta. He's he's going through his lumps as well. And his start on Sunday against yeah against the Dodgers was not fun to watch. But I mean, who would have guessed? Who would have guessed on opening day that Zach Davies would be holding this baby down for us? <laughs> yeah, he'd be the best guy of the bunch so far. Yeah, it certainly was not me. <laughs> I know for a fact I was not no, me one that I was going to guess that. Stand up on me. <laughs> yeah. But props props to Zach Davies. I mean, when Zach Davies is healthy, he's a pretty good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Last year he was just not yeah. healthy. So I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens there with, with Davies. And for the guys that have really filled in in those spots in the rotation, Chase Anderson, Adrian Hauser, uh, kind of a mixed bag result. Chase Anderson – uh, Got to give props to him for his start on Saturday against the Dodgers. That was phenomenal. He had a very rough first, or at least a very long first inning, 34 pitches, but he settled in nicely, made it through five shutout against, <clears throat> five shutout against a stacked Dodgers lineup and really set the tone for that game and allowed the Brewers to, to take control for, the, for their only win of that series. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I love Chase Anderson and his demeanor. He's, he's, he's a bulldog. what you want. Yep. And he's what you want in, in a pitcher and a teammate on your team. You know, everyone knows he wants to be in the starting rotation, but at the start of the year, he's sent to the bullpen. He embraces the role. I know he's been working with, uh, you know, Junior Guerra and all those guys in there trying to figure out a routine because, you you know, you yeah. go from knowing he's been a starter his whole life. To, yeah. Exactly. And so he goes in there, embraces it. Now, you know, we've had some injuries and some tough luck for the young guys, gets thrown back into their starting rotation and gives us a, a start and a win that we really needed. So he's a, he's a pro's pro. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, he's basically trying to re-earn a spot in that rotation. And, I mean, he knew that, that, mm-hmm. those, that his spot was taken from him by three young guys. And, I mean, he understands it. He respects it. I mean, he knows what kind of stuff that those guys have. And mm-hmm. he sees, like, well, they're getting results. I gave up 30 homers last year. So he understands right. where it's coming from. Then Corbin Burns gives up 11 in four starts, and it's like, well, well. Maybe we would have been better better off with Chase Anderson. Right. Yeah. But, hey, he did well. So And he's earned another another start uh, filling in for yep. Burns. So you know, we'll see how and it he's goes. Done well out of the, he's done well out of the bullpen for the most yeah. part. He still has three home runs given up on the year. but that, That's it, still that's less than Corbin Burns. Game, and it, it, yeah. it has, right. That's just part of his game, though, and it was even before he got here, and now he's in you know Miller Park where a lazy fly ball can turn into a home run on some nights. So, yeah. But he's done well for the most part out of that you know, long yeah. reliever role out of the pen. I mean, he is a fly ball pitcher, so it's just going to happen. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, Freddie exactly. Peralta is also a fly ball pitcher for the most part. I, I think during his, his great start against Cincinnati, there weren't any outs that were hit on the ground. Like Everything was a pop-up in the air or a strikeout. Or at least mm-hmm. like all but one. Like there was a very small number of, of balls hit on the ground against Freddie. Because he succeeds with that high fastball. Doesn't allow hitters to get on top of it and hit it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just gets them all to pop it up and Yeah, and, and that's the thing with like him working with Manny Pena is that he does so much better with Pena and calling the high fastball. His next start, Grandal was calling a lot of low strikes. And he just doesn't succeed down there. So I'd like to see more Freddie starts with Pena behind the plate. Yeah, I think they'll go with that as well. That's Even last year, he was really yeah. successful with them. Yeah, but the problem is Yasmani Grandal is swinging such a hot bat, yeah. you really kind of can't take <laughs> right. him out of the lineup. Which is also explains that why like Tuesday night... signing to me so far. Yeah, yeah. Yasmani Grandal has been okay. He's been okay to start. But speaking of getting Grandal more playing time on on Tuesday night here against the Cardinals, yeah, he's playing first base. So Pena's behind the plate, and Grandal is moved over to first in place of a slumping Aguilar just to keep his bat in the lineup. Do you think that Yasmani Grandal could be playing a lot more over at first base? with the slump that's currently coming from the first base position with Thames and Aguilar? Um, Yeah, I do. It's not ideal or what the council or the Brewers wanted, but, I mean, Thames, you really can't put him in there against a lefty. 
and Aguilar is just off to us a tough start. Um, I'm hoping if he can just get like one home run that that'll just be the spark yeah. that lets him break free because I'm sure I'm missing some, but I can't really even think of any off the top of my head right now that were like almost, you know, like yeah. at the warning track. He had, he had that there, double against the Dodgers. Then yep. he goes into second base. He's like smiling all happy. Finally gets his first extra yep. base hit. <laughs> so. But yeah, he's just – I. I mean, it was safe to assume that the Aguilar we saw last year as a whole wasn't going to be the same this year. I mean, even the second half wasn't what the first half was. And understandable, that first half was ridiculous. But, man, this is just a tough start for him. And, you know, he's always going to have a, for the most part, always going to have a smile on his face and keep fighting yeah. through it. But I think it's really beneficial that Yaz can play first base. So you can just say, hey, let's take a night off and regroup. And, you know, Thames has done well as a, you know, as a pinch hitter role, which is a tough spot to fill. But he's, he's just not an everyday guy. I mean, any lefty in the, any lefty pitcher he goes up against is, he's just yeah. going to struggle. Yeah, exactly. So getting Aguilar out of that slump is really going to be key. And, and right now with the Brewers just kind of needing to win games. Got got to put Grandall over there and and just keep his bat in the lineup. Another another slumping hitter is is Travis Shaw, but Travis Shaw is about to break out of the slump. Yesterday, even in garbage time after that terrible loss, he had a home run in the ninth inning. And today, here in the sixth inning, Travis Shaw home homered again. It's his third homer of the season. Two homers in two days. Travis Shaw heating up. Mayor of Ding Dong City is here. Let's go. It, it's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Travis Shaw, like the difference between Shaw and Aguilar is that Shaw is actually a bit more of a proven commodity. Aguilar might be more of just a one-year flash in the pan kind of thing with with his great first half and still solid second half, but but still declining. Travis Shaw, it's two straight years with 30 plus homers. And mm-hmm. the Brewers kind of know what they have in him. And ne- like he, he had a tough start to the season, but now two homers in two days. Like he knows he, that he's close. He's like right there. And I think we're, we're seeing Travis Shaw right now break out of the slump. Yeah, I hope so. And at the, before the baseball season began over at Dairyland, we did kind of our prediction thing for the season. And my pick for biggest, you know, jump in production was Travis Shaw. Um, last year, his, his uh, batting average on balls in play was oh 70 God. points less than what it had been over the last two seasons. So he was making the contact, but right at the defenders, kind of similar to what we saw Braun do at the start of the year last year, but um, he was able to find some grass. So I was just thinking, you know, if he just keeps doing what he's doing, you know, statistically speaking, those balls are going to find some grass and we're going to see a big jump in production from them. But it's good that he's heating up because if we think of the guys that are behind Yelich in the lineup, Braun, Aggie, Shaw, all three were struggling. And with the way Yelich is playing, if those three are struggling, they're just going to walk Yelich. And obviously we want him to get as many bats as possible. And I think that's a big reason why we saw Yaz get moved up. Yeah, you know, from seven to five to four to have that protection for yeah. Yelich, so they know like, oh, we got to pitch to him because otherwise, why would you? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, because Yaz has been hot, and now he's now he's moved up to the three hole basically, because mm-hmm. Braun hasn't been able to do it, Aguilar hasn't been able to do it, Shaw hasn't really been able to do it. So it Moose Moose was struggling. Yeah, well, Moose was doing well. Then he injured his finger, and and then he started mm-hmm. to slow down, and yeah. But that's really kind of you know the whole like length of the lineup is based around those guys hitting well, and you know with sluggers from basically two to seven in that lineup, having three of them being total slumps. I mean that's that's half of them right there. That's just mm-hmm. done. And I just want to say about Christian Yelich here. I assume most of the people that listen to this are Packers fans. Well, right. for me. Christian Yelich has entered Aaron Rodgers territory. Ooh. And by that I and by that I mean when you know it's say it's third and 12 or we need a score in the final 2 minutes regardless of how the game has gone you're like all right he's going to Aaron Rodgers is going to figure it out for us and we are going to win. I am at that point with Christian Yelich where he's just <laughs> get this man to the plate and he will figure it out for us. <laughs> yeah. He's just he's come up clutch so many times. It's just you can't you can't count him out in any of those situations. Nope. I mean, no, what, absolutely. What, the game could be going horribly, but it doesn't matter the scenario. It's like just get him there. He will figure it out and get us to the promised land. <laughs> oh man, y- yeah. Yelch is kind of entering Aaron Rodgers' territory in terms of of fandom too, and just being revered by the entire state. Basically, like pretty much everyone has an Aaron Rodgers jersey. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now for Brewers fans, I feel like pretty much everyone has a Christian Yelch. I mean, the number of Christian Yelch jerseys I saw at Miller Park last weekend was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I bet. And I was wearing one of them. So, <laughs> but like literally everyone has one. And I think he was, I think it was in like top 10 for like top 10 selling jerseys for MLB over the off season or like entering this year, something like that. Like he's top ten in sold jerseys. Christian Yelch is. And yeah, just think of the athletes right now in Wisconsin. You got Aaron Rodgers, I was Christian Yelich, and Giannis, the Greek freak. I'm not three gonna say M- the last name. Giannis. Three three MVPs. Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Yeah. I'm I'm not even gonna bother trying to pronounce it because I'm probably just gonna sound like an idiot. The Greek freak. Giannis. And yes. Also, congratulations to the Bucks for advancing to the second round of the NBA playoffs for the first time since 2001. Unreal. Sweeping the Pistons. Got to tell you, I really expected that one. <laughs> yeah. After that game last night, I saw on Twitter someone posted, so how old were you the last time the Bucks won a playoff series? And I it didn't, you know, you think in 2001, but I was like, holy cow, it was eight. <laughs> I was... Let's see, my birthday was in October, so that'd be I was like four, four or five. Yeah. So yeah, it was it's been a long time. It has. Yeah. But this team, I the Bucks team that they have, they're more capable of they're they're capable of winning more than just one playoff series. They can oh, go absolutely. they can go so much further. Mm-hmm. And I am here for it. If the Bucks can get that championship mentality and and possibly actually winning a championship going, the Brewers can just feed off of that energy in the city of Milwaukee with the yes. 
with a title, and then it's like, hey, let's have a parade of our own. <laughs> and then the Brewers win the World Series, and then it's two champions in Milwaukee in the same year. It can and be then, done. And then the Packers make some miracle draft picks, <laughs> rebuild yeah. this team in one year, and they make it to the Super Bowl. All three champions in one year. Let's do it. Yeah. It's like the uh it's like the kid in uh Angels in the Outfield. Hey, it can yeah. happen. You're right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, speaking of Christian Yelch, he won the NL Player of the Week award again. Uh that's the second time already this season, his fifth time uh since he's joined the Brewers. And he won it by hitting eight home runs in one week, including three in Jeez. one game. This dude is ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't even know what more to say about Christian Yelich. He's the MVP. He's ridiculous. He'll just go on stretches. I mean, three homers in one game, and then another game in the same homestand, he hits two homers in a game. I mean, it's nuts. Since July, or basically the All-Star break last year, the run he's been on, like you said, how do you describe it? Ridiculous, stupid, historic, all the above. Um, The amount of home runs, his OPS, like I said, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I know a a couple weeks ago, or just after the opening weekend, you know, Braun put it and, you know, summed it up well and said, we are watching something historic right now and we really do need to appreciate what we're seeing because it's amazing really is yeah we are witnessing greatness in action with christian Mm -hmm. i mean like is it just an extended run of being hot or is it just this is just actually the player that he is you know he's just that good of a player like it's not just a hot stretch it's it's who he is Mm -hmm. yeah i you almost got to think that because it's covering, you know, three and a half months of baseball last year, and then the first month this year. Yeah. You know, you, and you have the whole off season in between. It's not like he's done a hot three week stretch. He had, you know, five months off, four months off, or whatever yeah. from you know end of playoffs to regular season starting. Yeah, and, and he had a you know parade around. Doing it. Yeah, he had a parade around the country, basically. You know, with the MVP mm-hmm. tour and being on Magnum PI and all these other media things, <laughs> right. running the the California Strong uh, charity fund, running that softball game. Like, he's been doing everything. And through all that, he's still coming back and just being absolutely ridiculous. And hitter, uh-huh. or pitchers know what he is now. And they, and they had a whole offseason to figure out ways to get him out, and they still can't do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think the off season's the biggest, you know, piece of evidence to this is the player that he is. Yeah. Just because of that gap. This is yeah. like I said, this isn't a month or even a two month stretch, which on its own is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, not yeah. now playing that. Yeah. But wow. But I mean even Eric Thames can go on a hot one month stretch, you know? Right. Like Mr. month April. of April twenty seventeen. You know, he he had eleven <laughs> homers in that month and we thought that was ridiculous. Yelch was already right. at thirteen and we still got like a whole week to go. And he's he should have been at 14. <laughs> he should have been at 14, but he was robbed in that Sunday game by the Dodgers, who was at Bellinger that robbed him at yeah, the wall. And, and Trout robbed him, too. 
Yeah, and Trout, he should be at 15 homers already. Insane. I'm looking at his OPS right now, 1.259. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, it's decent. <laughs> he ended last year with an OPS okay. of 1,000. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, not bad. Cripes. <laughs> like, it should not be possible to do what he does. Like, it's not normal. Like, even even Mike Trout doesn't even have stretches like this. I mean, Mike Trout's just consistently awesome, but he doesn't have, you know, weeks where he hits eight home runs. He doesn't have a, a whole stretch mm-hmm. where I think he had 25 homers in the second half. I mean, it's like consistent greatness from Trout, but since it just happens so consistently, there's no real kind of, you know, peaks. It's just it makes it kind of hard to notice just when his – you know, flat line is just so right. much higher above everyone else. It's not, you know, going up and down. Mm-hmm. But Yelich, I mean, he's exactly. basically just steadily rising up, and he's just not stopping. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't. Yeah. And uh, David Stearns talked about Christian Yelich with Robert Murray of The Athletic, who asked about a possible contract extension. For Yelich, which is on the minds of all Brewers fans, because like, hey, this guy's awesome. Let's sign him because he's mm-hmm. awesome. So he asked David Stearns about it, and Stearns basically downplayed the whole idea of it. He says he he doesn't think that there's going to be an extension coming up anytime soon. He's not really talking about it. He's not really thinking about it. Um, he's not mentioning it to Yelich's agent. So we don't. So don't expect a Christian Yelich extension to come anytime soon. I mean, he's under control for four more years at a very cheap rate. Why bother trying to open negotiations with a guy who's basically, he's coming off an MVP year. He's looking like the MVP yet again. Could go back to back. If he were to open extension talks with Yelich, Yelich could ask for $35 million. And David Stearns would have no ability to turn down and say, no, you're not worth that much. He, he has no argument against him. He could ask for the moon. <laughs> he could ask for the moon. All we need is a team of minions and some guy yeah. named Gru to help, <laughs> to help us get it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And I think just, I mean, there's still four years left, so I get why he's waiting on it. But the, like you said, the way... The way Yelich is going, that number is going up, 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 up. Yeah. The agent's just like, all right, come on. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's see what you can come up with. Because if he hit the open market right now, which thankfully the Marlins signed him to that long-term deal. Because if they did not, Yelch would have reached free agency after the 2019 season here. And he's MVP last year. And he's doing what he's doing right now this year. He hits the open market as a 27-year-old. Oh, he's getting more than he's getting more than Machado, and he's probably getting more than Harper. I think it's safe to say that if he hadn't signed that deal with the Marlins, he wouldn't be a Brewer. Yeah, and the Brewers probably aren't making that trade, or at least they've shown in the past yeah. they don't like bringing in players with that little of control, control and then they know they're going to leave, a yep. la Zach Greinke. Yep. Yeah, but it also wouldn't have cost them as much um, if they didn't have the control. But then yeah, again, no, that's very true. Then again, Lewis Brinson has been terrible for the Marlins, yeah. 
And Isan Diaz has been okay, but I think he struck out. No, that was Monty Harrison that struck out like 200 times last year. Isan mm-hmm. Diaz has been okay, but he's a second baseman. <laughs> and Jordan Mat- Yamamoto has turned himself into a decent pitching prospect. He's still not a great one, but he's a decent pitching prospect now. So the Brewers really didn't lose anything in that trade, and they gained pretty much everything. So no, absolutely. Yeah, I'd I'd still make that trade every single day, even even if it was just two years with Yelich. I I'd still. Okay. I I mean, well, knowing what I know now about Brinson, yeah. I mean, back then, like I thought. I think everyone thought Brinson could have been the guy for the future. You know, he could have been, you know, a 30-30 type guy. Mm-hmm. And now it's looking like he can't get on base enough to steal 30 bases. And he can't make contact enough to hit 30 homers. I mean, it's it, it's been rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I would 100% make that trade again, even if it was two years, like you said. The, these windows that we're currently in as Brewer fans are are few and far between, and so just to just to get a taste of it and have the have that you know playoff atmosphere and you know World Series potential that we have this year, absolutely. Yeah, I mean everyone would love to sign him to an extension, but I mean if if Stearns were to even open extension talks right now, just to see what. Yelch's agent would put out there as a number. And then, I mean, they obviously wouldn't be able to come to an agreement on anything. But even if you were just put it out there and Stearns would have to be like, no, we can't do that, that's going to start seeping some doubt into the agent's mind and, you know, might put might put some doubt into Yelch's mind about staying in Milwaukee long term. Oh, absolutely. Unless Stearns is 100% positive that he's going to get a – he's going to get Yelich to sign. There's no good that's going to come from starting talks early. Yeah. Like Yelich would have to start the contract extension talks himself. Like he'd have to go to Stearns and be like, I want to stay here. I want to finish my career here. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's get a deal done. Then Stearns might be like, all right, Mark, I'm going to need you to make some smart investments on the stock market because we need some cash. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope Mark Atanasio's investments do well in these next couple of years because he's going to need some serious extra cash to to pay that man. Mm-hmm. Well, they keep putting out this product. They're going to have a lot more revenue than they have in the first few years yeah. of his ownership just from the baseball side of things. Yeah. Get some more playoff games, get some more playoff revenue. Maybe win a World mm-hmm. Series title or two. That should get you some revenue. Yeah. I mean, that's what always made Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin special, you know. You know, the Brewers for a lot of their time have been a down team, but the attendance is always one of the you know top ten in the league. Yeah, so that, I especially think being cool in such a small market. Yep, exactly. Yeah, passionate and, fans. Yeah, passionate fans support the team, and yep, no matter what. Yeah, not every not every organization has that. Look at Cleveland. Oh, I don't. I don't think most do. Look at Cleveland. I mean, those guys have been good for the past several years, and they can barely get attendance to top two million. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I keep on seeing their fans complain about Twitter. It's like, oh, well, you know, get a better team, and the fans will show up. It's like you guys have had a great team for a couple years now, and y'all still aren't right. showing up. You know, <laughs> like it's it's bad. 
Like imagine imagine if that team was mediocre. Like like how bad would it be at that stage? It'd be like major league. Like the movie, just yeah, no exactly. one shows up at the beginning. There's a there's a couple guys in the outfield heckling. Yeah. <laughs> Shouting wild thing at uh Cody Allen or no, whoever they have in their bullpen now. They got no one in their bullpen, basically. They got Brad Hand <laughs> and Adam Simber. That's about it. Or even like the Tampa Bay Rays, I've seen some pictures of some of their games this year. You know, they're oh like kind of early, but they're leading. They're leading yeah. the AL East, and nobody's at, nobody's there. Yeah, but that's mostly because the ballpark is terrible. It's in a bad that's spot. True. It's really kind of a bad place to to play and watch baseball. They need a new stadium, but their owner is being stingy, and then the city is being stingy as well, and no yeah. one's getting anything done. So, whatever. Portland, you may be getting a team sooner rather than later. Also, Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that seems to be their problem. So, Absolutely. All right, let's get to the mailbag segment now. we got a lot of good questions that uh, came in today in the mailbag. So let's get to, um, let's get to our first one here. Oh, it's from... From Matthew Dewaskin, of all people, how much will you miss me since I'm taking my birthday off? Not at all, Matthew. We're so glad you're not here. <laughs> uh, oh, incredibly so much. Oh, yeah. Nah. I was I was really lost at the intro when a beer didn't open. I didn't know if we were starting yeah. or I, I just didn't know were we recording yeah. yet. Yeah. I, I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we need to know when Matthew cuts me off says, oh, we need to start this off, right? Opens up a beer. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not bring a beer with me, which for a college student is kind of odd. But, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, let's see. Yeah, one from another Matthew, one of our contributors. Uh, early to jump to this, but what's Twitter for, for what's Twitter for if not speculation? If Burns and Peralta lose their rotation spot, what's the most likely destination, bullpen or AAA? I think for both of them, they don't want to. Put, the Brewers don't want to put either Burns or Peralta in the bullpen. I think they'd rather keep them to develop as to develop as starters, and not really move them back to that bullpen. What about you? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they're gonna. And we kind of touched on this. I think they're gonna let them both try to figure it out in AAA, if anything. Um, you know, this, I know we're in a win now mode as they should be, but these are young guys, as we've talked about, we, we don't want to discourage them or make or label them as only bullpen pitchers at 22, 24 years old when yeah. they could be very, very good starters for us in the future. Yeah. Uh, question here from Tyler. Out of the struggling Brewer batters, do you feel Aguilar has the shortest leash given last year was his first real shot at starting consistently, whereas with Shaw we have seen him produce year after year? Hey, I was kind of saying that earlier about Shaw. I mean, yeah, I feel like Aguilar has a shorter leash, plus, I mean, there's an immediate replacement with Thames to fill in at that spot. And Thames, I mean, he also kind of had, you know, one real shot, one real good stretch at first base but I, f I feel like Aguilar's leash is a little bit shorter I mean he's not being paid as much and there's an immediate replacement available in Thames and possibly Grandal or Shaw 
could move over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think out of the group, his leash is the shortest. But as we've seen, Council and Stearns aren't going to have any knee-jerk reactions. So even though he's struggling, they're going to give him every opportunity in the book to fight through it through, throughout the season. Um, they know that you know if they want to get as far as they hope they can, he's going to have to you know play a decent role in that. So he's going to have every opportunity. I don't see any big changes you know coming anytime soon. I mean, at least this season. Yeah, and David Stearns even talked about this in that interview with Robert Murray of The Athletic. He says he doesn't really want to make any sort of judgments on a player's season or their ability until about 45, 50 games into the season. That's uh-huh. when they really kind of can make some judgments about where this team is at, where some of these players are at. And we're clearly not there yet. So we still have a ways to go before David Stearns is ready to make any sort of judgment on – the ability of Jesus Aguilar to remain at first. All right, next question here from Trevor. What is the chance of Yelch actually hitting 50 home runs this year? Would break Prince Fielder's record as Brewer, and it would be funny if he did that after the commercial that that, that MLB aired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about, oh, yeah, like we're going to win the World Series. Yelch is like, I'm going to hit 50 home runs this year. And it's like, actually, wait a minute here, that's – it's actually possible because, like, all the guys after him is like, I'm going to hit 60, I'm going to hit 70, I'm going to hit 80 home runs. Yeah. But Yelich hitting 50, I mean, after what we saw last year, that was 36, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. 36, and he's already got 13. And uh, if he keeps hitting like this and pitchers are still forced to pitch to him, if he's protected well in that lineup, I think he could. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. This man's entered Aaron Rodgers' territory for me. I think he can do it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, especially playing at Miller Park. Exactly. I I think, what, 12 or is it all 13 home runs have been at Miller Park? Yeah, all all of them have been at Miller Park. You play 81 games at Miller Park, you know, he's probably going to get enough opportunities to get close to 50 home runs. He starts, you know – hitting at least a couple out there on the road. I mean, with what he's done so far, I I think he could get there. Absolutely. All right, next question here from Leo. Who should be the regular three-hole hitter going forward? Ooh, that's a good question. What do you think? I mean, right now I like Yaz there. You got to protect Yelich. I mean, you know, Braun – Aggie, like you said, Shaw's coming around, but I, I want to see that for a few more games before. Um, and three might even be too soon for him, but I, I like it where I like Yaz there right now. He's he's mashing the ball this year, so I think they, that's a good spot for him. Yeah, I, I like I like Yasmani in that spot too, at least for right now, just because he's hitting well mm-hmm. and the rest of the guys aren't. If Aguilar or Braun get on a hot streak and, and get going. I'd like to see them move up in there just because they're a right-handed hitter following a lefty and Yelich, whereas Grandal, he's a switch hitter, but most of his power comes from the left side. And Travis Shaw, I'd rather see him more in the four hole once he finally gets going, which I believe he's doing right now. And, you know, having Shaw in the three, it's just two lefties back-to-back, and for the most part, Council likes to alternate his lefties. Uh-huh. Unless they're facing a righty with, like, severe lefty-righty splits. And he just throws in all of his lefties, like two through seven, 
in that order. Uh-huh. So I, I like Shaw more in the four hole when he's when he's going. And I, I really like seeing Yasmani in the three right now. But if Aguilar or Braun can get into a hot stretch, I wouldn't mind seeing them back up in the three hole either. All right. Um, next question here from Stearns is my assistant GM in out of the park baseball uh, in OOTP. <laughs> so do you think it might be the case that the three young starters that the Brewers have been working with will end up being another wave of Thornburg and Youngman hyped initially from minor league numbers, but don't pan out at MLB level as starting pitchers and only relievers at best? So basically, do you think that Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns will end up in the bullpen and just being overhyped and basically dud prospects? Uh, I mean, is that a possibility? Sure. Am I going to say that at this point? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, we've seen all of these guys last year uh, in September in the playoffs. They've had big moments where they've performed. Yeah. Um, and a few weeks in, I'm not, re- I'm not going to label any of them, you know, with that. So I guess to answer the question, no, I don't, at least at this point, no, there's, yeah. we just don't have a large enough sample size. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that's the case with any of them. I, I think I'm definitely well, well documented in saying that I think Burns is going to be a great big league starter. Um, I, I think Woodruff will be solid as well. I really like Peralta's stuff, and I, I think he can end up being a starter long term. So I, I think they're going to be able to su- succeed as a starting pitcher. And then his last one here, with so many clubs extending top players to long-term deals, do you think it gives more reason to sign Keiko slash Kimbrell, even if it's a three- to four-year deal for either or both, especially given the uncertainty Milwaukee could extend Yelch beyond his contract? And free agent scarcity. Oof. I, I, I don't really, I I don't really think Yelch's contract situation relates that much to uh, Keuchel or Kimbrel, and right. and and also with extensions, I feel like it's not going to be that much of an of an impact on Keuchel and Kimbrel right now. Just because the issue with signing them is the fact that they're asking for an astronomical amount of money that they're not worth at this point. And they haven't been in camp. They haven't been with a team. They really aren't stretched out. They're not big league ready right now. So it's going to take them at least a month to get ready. So, so that's what's making it tough for teams, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I don't think Yelich's contract has anything to do with it. It's just the amount they're asking for. I mean, they want... You know, Kimbrel wants three years, fifty-two-ish million now. Keiko yeah. says he'll come down and do a one-year, but he turned down the qualifying offer. Yeah, he wants more so than I that. So I assume he's. Yep, yeah, I assume that that's the floor of what he's yeah. going to ask for. Same thing so with now Grandall. We're almost. Yep. So now we're almost to May. You know, at a minimum, you know, say it takes three, four weeks to get loose. I mean, last year we saw. The Cardinals signed Greg Holland, yeah, who had a strong All Star seventeen season. Signed him on opening day or just before, just after, and he uh, did not live up to his thirteen, fourteen million a year, whatever it was. So, I mean, the Brewers or whoever signs 
either of those guys, they're taking on a lot of risk. You know, spring training is incredibly important, especially for pitchers. And to miss that time, and, you know, I'm sure they're working out on their own, but it's it's not the same. It's not a game simulation like it is, you know, actually going up against an opponent. So, I mean, there's a lot of risk involved. And for a small market team that's already at $125 million, which is a record for them, you know, I'd love to have one of them just to help bolster the, the rotation or the bullpen, but I, I'm just struggling to see how it's going to happen. Yeah, and even with the deal being like prorated for because they didn't sign at the start of the season, so say you sign them to an eighteen million dollar deal, you know when you sign them, it may only end up being say like fifteen, like fourteen, fifteen million is what you're actually paying them because he hasn't been with the team that long. So mm-hmm. there may be some savings there, but that's still going to be a lot of money to pay out. That'll eat at the flexibility in July. And I mean, if you sign, if you say you sign Keuchel and he does well, then you don't really need to go out and get a starting pitcher in July, and your team's just more set because that's one less need you have to worry about. But also, if Keuchel fails or if Kimbrel fails, like they end up like Greg Holland and just struggling, it's just mm-hmm. you know fourteen, fifteen million dollars of dead money on the payroll that's eating up your flexibility, and it's just a player that's not performing. So there's a lot, a lot of risk involved in getting one of Absolutely. those guys, especially at this point in in the season. So they, Keiko and Kimbrel really just missed their shot. They, I mean, they attacked this offseason so horribly. I mean, they're, <laughs> I mean, Keiko's asking for too much. Kimbrel's looking for a hundred million dollars. I mean, six years, a hundred mil for a thirty thirty one year old. Yeah. Yeah. For a 31 year old reliever, and reliever is the most volatile position of all of them. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, these risk averse, you know, analytical GM front offices are not really going to be that high on that idea. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they really just kind of attack the market very poorly. And, you know, now they're just waiting and getting a year older. And not going to be getting the money that they want. You think if they're one of them, you just got to bite the bullet at some point. You cannot. I, I don't see how you can how taking a year off if it came to that would be to your advantage. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, mean, I don't get that. It didn't work out for Le'Veon Bell. He didn't get the money he wanted, and and I mean, especially as a pitcher, where it's, where teams are already worried that you're over you're over the hump, you're on the wrong side of thirty, waiting another year and not pitching is almost worse than just pitching and putting a little bit more mileage on your arm. I think waiting a year is worse. Like entering it next year as a, as a 32-year-old free agent, it's not going to be better. You're not going to get more money. Who, has, who hasn't pitched in 18 months competitively. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure, it's not because of injury, but, I mean, that's that's a right, long time. Still, It's a long time. So it just... We'll see how it goes with those guys, and it'll be interesting to watch where they finally end up. And that's why a guy like Gio Gonzalez entering the market would make a lot more sense for a team like the Brewers because he's at least been in camp for a little bit. He's made three starts in AAA. He's basically big league ready. If you sign Keuchel instead, it's going to cost you more money, and you have to wait longer to actually bring him up. So... 
I just don't see. Yeah, that I mean, if Geo doesn't work out, if Geo doesn't work out, or say the young guys come back and they're dealing, and the Brewers got to say in July they're like, you know what, we don't really need you. I mean, they're not out really anything, or if he just doesn't pan out like they want him to. Yeah. So a lot to, lot to wait and see on when when it comes to the market. We'll see what happens with Geo probably within the next week. He'll probably sign with the new team. Keiko and Kimbrell, who knows when that'll happen. So that, that'll be interesting to watch as well. Uh, we, are, we are all out of time on the podcast here, here today. So thank you, Paul, for joining me this week and filling in in Thanks Matthew's absence as he's on his hot date with his wife for his birthday today. Birthday, yeah, birthday the boy. birthday boy. Don't know how old he is. He didn't want to tell me that information. So, yeah, we'll we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> all right, for Paul Brettel of Dairyland. Oh, also, check out Dairyland Express for all of your NFL draft coverage that you want. Yes, He's got all the, all the good stuff. The NFL draft coming up on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. And I'll be covering the draft for ESPN Lacrosse. It'll be great. I'm a dual threat here. <laughs> <laughs> I can do baseball and football, believe it or not. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be a lot of good stuff. Quick, who's your uh, who's your guest for the Packers pick at number twelve overall? I'm gonna go Brian Burns at twelve, Dalton Risner at thirty. All right, there you have it from Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express uh, for Paul and all of us here at Reviewing the Brew. I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you next week on the Reviewing the Brew podcast.